0: Hello, and welcome to the Totally Clinical podcast, brought to you by Techro. Totally Clinical is a deep dive into the freshest trends, big time challenges, and most excellent triumphs of clinical trials. I'm Hannah, your host. Join me as I chat with industry experts, trailblazers, thought leaders, and most importantly, the people benefiting from clinical research. So tune in, settle back, and don't touch that dial. It's time to get Totally Clinical. This week, I'm joined by David Grew, radiation oncologist and founder of Primer, a platform that creates simple illustrated videos to educate patients about cancer and clinical trials. David explains how video content can be leveraged to scale clinical trials, reducing patient suffering through improved patient engagement. David also discusses how video content can reduce physician burnout, supporting better physician and patient relations. David, welcome. Now, let's start at the beginning. Could you explain more about your medical background and involvement in clinical trials?
1: I'm a radiation oncologist, and I I do practice in Hartford, Connecticut at a Yale affiliate cancer center. Um, But I I really started my journey with patient education back during med school because I was kind of doing a a side hustle teaching undergraduates who were preparing to take the MCAT entrance exam for medical school. Uh, And I was basically teaching at a whiteboard. So using simple visuals to explain complex concepts was really something I enjoyed. I had a passion for it, and I seemed to develop a a talent for it, just spending probably about a thousand hours standing at a whiteboard teaching kids. So um, over time, as as I went into my own clinical practice, I sort of carried this experience of using visuals to explain these complex cancer problems to my own patients. And during COVID in the early days, there were no visitor policies, so patients had to come alone to see their oncologist for the first time to discuss their new diagnosis of cancer. And I started taking my paper drawings and converting them into digital videos that were about two or three minutes just explaining you know, what to expect about a new diagnosis of breast cancer what the surgery options are, how radiation works, the way chemotherapy works and these kinds of things, which is like the common questions that we would get from our own patients. But we could send them to their families as a text message. We could share them, you know, at infinite scale with no additional input costs from us. So it turned out to be like a pretty valuable thing for my own patients and one day a clinical trial investigator who was a friend of mine noticed what we were doing and said this would be a huge help for us for our trials they're really complex it's difficult for our team to explain these trials over and over could you start making content for our trials and so that's when things really kind of started taking off in the clinical trial space
0: you were discussing how during covid you you drew out images to make them clearer for patients How did this translate into you realizing that video was the way forward?
1: Funny. One day, a patient who was an older woman who, again, was was there on her own. My secretary yelled down the hall and said, "Hey, patient wants that paper drawing that you made for her. I wasn't thinking much of it because it was kind of a slapdash sketch on a piece of paper. But to the patient, it was pretty useful. So she said she wanted to keep that little piece of paper with my sketch on it so that she could explain this to her family because she was concerned and didn't feel confident explaining this whole process and the treatment without that prop. That's when the light bulb went off and I said, well, maybe I should just start converting these paper drawings into video assets so that we can kind of standardize this educational experience for our patients and introduce a lot more scale. And
0: from the patient point of view, what success stories do you have on how video is working for them?
1: We're seeing that patients are highly engaged with our educational content. For instance, our first trial that we launched with a clinical trial team at Cornell, in the first month that we made the video available, there was 16 hours worth of patient view time. And it's not a big trial. It's a single-site study looking at a fairly unique question relating to MRI-guided radiation therapy. So. What can we learn from that? I mean, that, that tells us that patients aren't just watching it once, they're either watching it multiple times themselves or they're sharing it with their family members, which makes total sense. Oftentimes patients who are considering a trial, are not making that decision in a vacuum. They're discussing it with their, their care team or their kids, their spouses, their siblings, their best friends. So naturally in those conversations, the question comes up, well, how does the trial work? And what we create for the PIs, the sponsors, the sites that we work with is a highly shareable digital asset that patients can share themselves. They can simply forward it as a text or or an email to the rest of the people on their care team. So it just seems to be something that caught on very quickly and is definitely harnessing engagement at the patient level. Anecdotally, we know that there was a patient who was living in Florida and had somehow caught wind of the content that we had created and was willing to actually fly to New York to the site there to enroll on the study. So I think what video content can do, whether it's the long form we're doing in two to three minutes or the shortest form as gifts, and and really blasting it on social media channels, is it's just amplifying awareness because content scales infinitely, you just never know whose eyeballs are going to see that content and who's going to engage with it and eventually lead back to the trial enrollment page. And I continue to be surprised by anecdotal stories like that, because when you're using social channels, the network is so wide, we need to start thinking very differently about how we're going to recruit to trials. And I think video is insanely powerful engine to amplify awareness, engagement, and recruitment for trials.
0: The pressures put on physicians in their daily lives can be really intense and lead to burnout. How can video help with this?
1: I was just reading an article today saying that in the U.S., physician burnout is reaching record highs. I think 65 to 70 percent of practicing physicians are reporting symptoms of burnout. So, If we look specifically at the clinical trial enrollment case, why would physicians burn out? Well, if patients who are trial eligible are coming to discuss a trial with a provider, that provider needs to go over the entire standard of care, just like any community physician would. But then in addition to that, they need to go a layer deeper and explain, well, beyond standard of care, we also have this additional option in the form of a clinical trial. So that's a lot more of their time. It's hard to do that over and over when you're already double or triple booked in your clinic. And so you have two options. You can either take the time you know that patient needs to explain the trial, And just your clinic just starts getting pushed back further and further. And that means you don't have time during the day to do your charting and dictating notes and things like that. And suddenly now you're not there till five. You're there till eight. You're not seeing your family. And you can kind of see how the frame shift in your day, the hours of your day, accumulates over time. And that's a lot of time under tension for physicians. And that leads to burnout. What we're seeing is that we're kind of preloading the educational piece with Primer. We're making it so that trial-eligible patients are getting access to basic information about the trial before they meet with the provider. And that way, when they're having the in-person encounter, if it's a quick no, that's fine. At least the provider doesn't need to waste time going over the entire trial information with them. They can just stick with the standard of care operation. That streamlines their clinic. However, if the patient's already interested in the trial, now what we're doing is we're actually serving these providers with motivated and engaged patients who are aware of the trial, understand it, and are interested in enrolling. You're kind of being much smarter about the way that the workflow is of serving the providers with, with engaged patients who are interested in trials, if that makes sense.
0: Do you have any examples of how education via video has helped bridge the gap for patients?
1: I do. So I have a patient who has prostate cancer and he is the caretaker for his elderly wife who has Alzheimer's and she really needs 24-hour care. Before we met, he needed some good educational content around what the prostate cancer options are in terms of radiation. And they vary greatly ranging from like five days of radiation up to nine weeks of radiation. So We used primer content to send to both him and his son who's located in a city six hours away he could not join us for the consult so the two of them received the primer education content before the visit and they were able to discuss how best to get the patient to a curative radiation treatment in the context of also being the primary caretaker for his wife who deals with Alzheimer's. So in their words, what they said was they really appreciated, quote, preloading the education so that they really, by the time he came in to see me in person, he and his son already were aware of the options. They kind of talked it through and they came highly engaged and ready to make a decision confidently about which treatment was for them.
0: So I know that you have a pilot project you're currently working on. Could you explain more about
1: this? So we're also doing a pilot at Columbia University in New York, educating women who have been through breast cancer surgery and are at high risk for developing swelling in the arm, which is called lymphedema. That condition, if untreated, can be really debilitating. However, there are certain exercises and certain things that women can do to detect the earliest signs of that condition, lymphedema, and present for referral for lymphedema therapy. That can potentially reduce the overall long-term morbidity and the long-term burden of that condition on patients if they get in early to get these kinds of interventions. So we believe, and the team at Columbia agrees that early intervention with education may be useful in preventing some of the really debilitating long-term effects of this. The problem, though, is that the surgeons, the radiation oncologists, the care teams, you know, naturally they're rushed in clinic. And so they don't have time to go over in great detail all of these exercises and all the things patients can do. So what we're doing in this pilot project is we're creating educational video content, which we're serving to the patients at various stages throughout the arc of the patient journey. We have an introductory video that really just teaches patients about like what lymphedema is, how it works, why it happens, and what puts them at risk for developing it. And then later on in their care journey, we give them additional education on exercises and stretches that they can do to prevent lymphedema. And then ultimately, once they're done with all of their treatment, they get an additional video content that explains to them if they see some of the early signs of lymphedema, what they need to do specifically at Columbia and New York Presbyterian to present to the care team to get referred to get the therapy that they need.
0: Now, with digital campaigns, we hear a lot about success metrics, time watched, et cetera. How do you measure success with Primer? So it really depends
1: on the trial and what the vision and goals are for the trial. So in the pilot project I mentioned at Columbia, We would like to see more women recognizing the earliest signs of lymphedema and presenting for physical therapy and rehab measures. We're trying to capture patients who need a treatment that they otherwise weren't getting because of lack of education. On a different trial, say like a decentralized trial, one of the challenges there is maintaining patient engagement throughout the entire trial. It'd be a terrible waste of all of the participants' time, the sponsors' money, to go through an entire trial and have the majority of patients get lost to follow-up, degrading the quality of the data that we can harvest from the trial in the end, because we can't keep them engaged throughout the entire arc of the trial. So success in that context looks a little different. It actually looks more like making sure that X number or X percent of patients who enrolled on the trial initially actually stay engaged with the trial and complete all follow-up measures throughout the entire arc of the trial. And we're trying to use content to kind of pepper them with nuggets of engagement throughout the entire trial.
0: Now with any new ways of communication, there are always obstacles. What challenges have you experienced with video so far and how have you overcome them?
1: There's a generation gap and depending on age and patient's willingness to engage with technology, you are going to find some patients just have a preference against technology and digital engagement. Their bias is in favor of just face-to-face conversations with their doctor. And there's nothing wrong with that. We still need to serve them with that sort of option and engagement. This solution with video is probably not going to penetrate that group of patients in an effective way a very successfully run trial is going to have sort of a tapestry of strategies where you're layering in multiple multiple layers of education and engagement. Some of it is in person. Some of it may continue to be paper, although I think that's kind of going by the wayside. But certainly, I think there's a good role for video and digital education. I think another challenge is we have the content We have analytics suggesting that's highly engaging. The question is how to serve it to them and when to serve it to them. So that's something we really need to test. Is it best before that first visit? Is it best on their way out to the parking lot after they've completed the first visit? And then at what time points throughout the arc of the trial, is it most engaging to serve patients and participants with content later on? So we're looking for partners at DCT platforms, sponsors that do clinical trials at scale, innovative PIs who are willing to partner with us to test these various things so that we can really maximally leverage this form of education to complete more trials. The whole name of the game here is to accelerate innovation. One of the things that can frustrate and slow down innovation is incomplete trials, slow accrual and lost follow-up. So we're trying to help PIs, sponsors and sites move the needle on that by delivering better engagement with education.
0: And finally, what's next for Primer in terms of initiatives and goals?
1: We're really still in explorer mode. We're still working with a variety of partners, ranging from PIs, sites, sponsors, and DCT platforms. We're not limited in any way in terms of who we're willing to work with. We're just trying to add value by improving education. So in the fourth quarter, we're hoping to nail down some solid partnerships with each of the players that I mentioned. And I would encourage your listeners, if there's anyone who thinks this could add value to their trial, to reach out and see if we might be able to partner on a project.
0: And David, where can people find you?
1: I'm very active on LinkedIn and I encourage people to just go ahead and DM me there. But you can also email me and it's it's just my name, David Grew, G-R-E-W at primermed.com. And primer is P R I M R M E D. You can find us, our landing page is primermed.com. I'm also on Twitter at Dr. Grew.
0: And that's your dose of Totally Clinical. You can download our podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Please subscribe and leave a rating and review so more people can find the show. See you on your next visit and remember to bring your friends. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.